want you to hit me as hard as you can. President Donald J. Trump calls him brilliant and a genius. He's an Oscar-nominated actor, an action hero slash villain, comedian, reality show champion, crazy person, and possibly a holy figure. When I think of Gary Busey, there's really only one phrase that comes to mind. Lovable insanity. The man who was known for his hard partying ways in the 80s morphed into Hollywood's favorite crazy uncle. And I love it. I think it's great. Gary Busey, you're one of a kind. You're amazing. You got moxie, kid. And going through Gary Busey's career is kind of like going on a cross-country road trip. Most of it you just drive right by, barely even noticing. But every so often you stop to take in something truly breathtaking. Busey is one of those few actors that have both 100% and 0% on those tomatoes that are rotten.com. And that's saying something. He represents the best and the worst of cinema. But no matter what film he's in, Busey commands your attention. Stealing every single scene that he has ever been in. With those loco eyes and those monstrous chompers. My god, look at those things. So I mean this in every sense, level, and meaning of the phrase. What the f*** happened to Gary Busey? I recommend that he be given a psychological evaluation before taking over his next assignment! But to truly understand what the fuck happened to Gary Busey, we must start at the beginning. He was born on his birthday in Goose Creek, Texas, 1944, Anno Domini. He played a little college football, then got injured and studied theater. But before he became a world-famous thespian, Busey was actually a very successful drummer, working with musicians like Willie Nelson, Carp, and several Leon Russell tracks where he played under the pseudonyms Teddy Jack Eddie and Sprunk. But he hadn't given up on acting. During this time, Busey would appear on the TV show called The Uncanny Film Festival and Camp Meeting, and he had the honor of being the final person to ever be killed on the legendary series Gunsmoke. Gary Busey would cut his teeth on camera with bit roles in films such as Angels Hard As They Come, 1971, The Magnificent Seven Ride, 1972, Dirty Little Billy, 1972, Lolly Madonna XXX, 1973, The Last American Hero, 1973, The Shrieking, also 1973, and a cool little film called Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, 1974, and we can't forget Gumball Rally, 1976, oh, I, actually, I've, I've already forgot about Gumball Rally. And on the small screen, Gary Busey's football background landed him the starring role in the TV movie Bloodsport, in 1973. That following year, he would appear alongside Martin Sheen in the Emmy Award-winning movie, The Execution of Private Slavic, as well as appearing on the short-lived TV show, The Texas Wheelers, where he played one of those Texas Wheelers. Those wheelin' wheelers with, with their wheels in Texas. Then Gary Busey's star was born. In the movie, A Star is Born. Not the one with Lady Gaga or Judy Garland, or that other one. 
He was in the Streisand 1976 version, and this classic remake love story was Gary Busey's breakout performance. Barbara Streisand was sitting there watching TV one day, and then she saw Gary Busey, and she thought, hey, that man should play my road manager in the movie A Star Is Born. And then that happened, because that's how movies are made. And this was a role that Gary Busey could really sink his teeth into. Oh, this is your move. This one's on you, Slay. Then there was a supporting turn in the Dustin Hoffman movie Straight Time, and he was in the John Milius surfing film Big Wednesday. But Busey would earn an Academy Award nomination for tackling the true life story of rock legend Buddy Holly in the aptly titled The Buddy Holly Story. It's a, it's a story about Buddy Holly. And guess who plays Buddy Holly? Gary Busey! The film actually has a very rare 100 percentile on those tomatoes at a rotten.com. Not that you should trust those tomatoes at a rotten.com, but I'm just saying. And critics were saying that Busey's performance was the reason why the film works so well. He's perfect. And Gary Busey required absolutely no overdubbing as he played and sang all of the songs live. Now that's talent. This young Gary Busey, he's going places, I say. And this has gone down as not only one of the greatest biopic performances of all time, but one of the greatest performances of all time. Paving the way for movies like Walk the Line, Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Band, and I'm sure there's others. This was absolute perfect casting. Only Buddy Holly could play Buddy Holly better. And you know what? The ghost of Buddy Holly was probably possessing Gary Busey, which that's the only logical explanation of why this performance is so perfect. What was that noise? Yeah, it's a strange sound. Is it your bass drum hardware? I thought it was, but it's not. What did it sound like? I didn't hear it. It was a got squeak. Got a squeak or something. Let's go again. Now we enter those radical 80s as our journey across Busey country continues. And if you look out your window here, you can see such films as a traveling carnival drama called Carney, which co-starred a teenage Jodie Foster, and then he was fooling around in something called Fooling Around, a film that Busey took instead of Urban Cowboy, a decision he would later regret. Then came the year 1982, and Busey would star alongside Willie Nelson in Barbarossa. Barbarossa, a western about two outlaws on the run. The film currently holds a 100 percentile on those tomatoes at a rotten.com. Not that you should trust those tomatoes at a rotten.com, I'm just saying. And this is Busey's second 100 percent film in that exclusive club. Then 1983 to 1985 saw Gary Busey starring in a string of interesting but not very financially successful films. Films like DC Cab, a wild and crazy early film by Joel Schumacher, then there was something called Didn't You Hear, and the movie The Bear. This is the football coach biopic, where Gary actually wrestles a real-life bear. They covered him in turkey fat and let the bear and his tongue have his way with poor old Gary. And that's where Gary discovered that he was allergic to bear saliva. So ever since then, Gary Busey has tried his best to avoid bear saliva. To recreate this incident, Gary Busey actually entered a ring with a trained bear, which not only looks dangerous, it was. When I'm looking real calm, that's a sign of hysteria right underneath the skin. Oh, yeah, that was an 800-pound black bear, and they're pretty, they're strong. I mean, it's just like... Mm. But yeah, Gary Busey wrestled a real f 
bear for a movie. Like, that's, that's dedication. I mean, did, has Daniel Day-Lewis done that? There was also a film called Insignificance, where he played the ball player, aka Joe DiMaggio. It's a film about Marilyn Monroe and Albert Einstein, I think. And the film was nominated for the Palme de Tour at the Cannes Film Festival, but it had no box office presence. Then, in late 1985, Busey would star as Uncle Red in the Stephen King-penned werewolf movie, Silver Bullet. Stephen King would say that even though the first take was always the scripted dialogue, Gary Busey would always do additional takes where he would improvise, ad-lib, and those takes were actually the ones that ended up in the film. So does that mean that Gary Busey's improvisation is better than Stephen King written dialogue? I don't know. Yeah. The film received mixed reviews with the bulk of the positive notes coming from Busey's lively performance. Silver Bullet would only make just over 12 million dollars theatrically but would go on to achieve cult status. And that's always a good status to have, with many calling this one of the best Stephen King adaptations ever. Do you agree, or do you disagree? Hey look, there's a comment section where you can do that stuff, so comment your comment in the comments. Nineteen eighty-six saw Gary Busey starring in the film Let's Get Harry and the film Eye of the Tiger. Two action movies that if you blink, you'll miss them. In 1987, Gary Busey was in a slump. He had not been a part of any truly zeitgeist-capturing film since his Oscar-nominated performance in The Buddy Holly Story. Knowing that his movie career was failing, Gary Busey asked if he could audition for a role in the movie, Lethal Weapon, as a truly evil, bad, bad, bad guy. He had not auditioned for a role in several years and was actually nervous, saying that there were butterflies in his stomach. Gary Busey butterflies. The filmmakers were looking for someone big, menacing, and crazy enough to be a believable foe against Mel Gibson. And Gary is absolutely terrifying in this awesome flick, stealing all the scenes, every scene, even scenes that he's not even in. That's how good Gary Busey is. Gary Busey has said that working with Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and director Richard Donner was a blessing, as he is always looking for people to pull the best performances out of him. And that's what those three did. They just yanked an amazing performance right out of Gary. Gary Busey credits Lethal Weapon as reviving his career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Of course, a revitalization of a career is only as good as the projects you pick. And Busey picked three duds in a row. Bulletproof, Age of Piracy, and Hider in the House. Only five days after filming Wrapped on Hider in the House, Busey was involved in a near-fatal motorcycle accident. On December 4th, 1988, Gary Busey lost control of his bike and slammed headfirst into a curb without the protection of a helmet. Gary Busey claims that he actually passed away after the brain surgery and was taken to a spiritual realm where he was surrounded by angels. He felt trust, love, protection, and happiness that you cannot feel on Earth. The angels gave Gary Busey a choice, go with them or return to his body and continue with his destiny. Busey felt that he wasn't finished on Earth and chose to return to his body. And when he came back, he had messages from these angels, words and definitions that began coming to him without any effort. These definitions eventually became known as Buseyisms, 
Give Busey any word and he will give you its definition in acronym form within seconds. The word now, N-O-W, no other way. You know what truth actually means, don't you? Taking real understanding to heart. Time out. To ensure measured energy on using time. The doctors did not think he would survive. The injury was so horrific that he he pretty much broke open his head. And of course, nobody can explain this better than Gary Busey himself, so uh, take it away, Gary. I was in the hospital for two months and they opened me up from here to here and split my skull and scraped the temporal side of my brain, drilled two holes here and I had blood shooting out this far. Jesus, it's, it's a shame you didn't bring any photos, Gary. <laughs> the injury left Gary Busey with permanent brain damage resulting in an inability to censor himself. And this has resulted in countless videos online of Gary Busey acting erratically on TV and in public. And I'm not exactly sure all of this can be blamed on the injury, but it definitely didn't help his uh, behavior. Since his accident, Gary Busey has become a vocal spokesperson for the National Head Injury Foundation and has been a strong supporter of helmet laws something he was actually adamantly opposed to before his accident. But breaking your skull open kind of changes your mind on certain issues, especially helmets. And this accident had a tremendous effect on Gary and his family. And even though the two remain incredibly close to this day, Gary Busey's son, Jake Busey, who's also a very talented actor in his own respect, has said that for many years after the accident, he felt that he had lost his father. And it's hard to tell when his wacky sense of humor ends and his traumatic brain injury begins, which adds a level of of mystery and sadness to the legend that is Gary Busey. And after all of that, Gary kept riding. Like within a year, he was back on the bike, which is either very brave or very stupid. I don't know. Um, You know, let's... You pick. They they actually opened your skull? Yeah. Now, now do they... uh... (laughs) And fill it full of what? Helium? Is that what happened? I see. Yeah. Helium and jelly beans. <laughs> I can remember everything no, now. No. Now, uh, come on, let's get serious. But yes, traumatic head injuries are, are very serious. And I personally want to thank you, Gary Busey, for choosing to stay here on Earth to continue to brighten our lives with your art. Art like Predator 2. Less than two years after that horrific motorcycle accident, Gary Busey was back on the big screen in Predator Dos. That means two in another language. The director of Predator Dos really wanted John Lithgow for the role of Keys, because, you know, John Lithgow is awesome. But producer Joel Silver really pushed for Gary Busey, because, you know, Gary Busey is awesome. And Joel Silver really had a great time working with him on Lethal Weapon. Jake Busey, son of Gary, would play his father's character's son in the 2018 sequel, The Predator, and that father-son connection is actually the only cool thing about that movie. No offense, Shane Black. It's not your fault, it's society's. The film was a commercial and critical failure, only making $57 million worldwide, a far cry from the first film's $100 million take. And yeah, people didn't really like this sequel. But in recent years, the film has become more appreciated as an underrated gem. There's street gang battles with aliens and cocaine and Gary Busey and Danny Glover is awesome. Like, Predator 2. Come on.
He's on safari. Lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh my. And a big reason why Predator 2 is so great is Gary Busey himself. He's freaking amazing in this one, and once again, he steals every f***ing scene. Even from The Predator 2. 1991 saw Busey appear in three vastly different projects. First was My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys, and a Dolly Parton TV movie called Wild Texas Wind, where he plays Dolly Parton's alcoholic abusive manager. And last but certainly not least of that year is the now iconic film Point Break, where Busey would play the grumpy FBI agent who introduces Johnny Utah to the world of surfing criminals who rob banks and wear presidential masks and skydive. Gary took young Keanu under his wing and thought of him as a little brother on set. Aww, you guys, that's so adorable. Gary Busey was trying his best to protect young Keanu from the corruption and evils of Holly Weird. So maybe, just maybe, we can thank Gary Busey for helping Keanu stay so cool. And yet again, while surrounded by superstars like Swayze and Keanu, Gary still stole every scene. Listen, you snot those little shit! I was taking shrapnel and caisson while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face! You mad? Yeah, I'm mad! Good and mad! Yeah! What do you want to do about it? It feels good, doesn't it? Like you're still alive, right? Yeah! The film was a critical and commercial success, directed by Catherine Bigelow, of all people. She is a great filmmaker. Point Break pulled in $83 million worldwide on a $24 million budget. That means it made money, if you do the math. And this movie was so popular that for some reason they made a remake. I didn't see it because I just know that it sucks. I'm gonna prejudge that film. But yeah, Point Break, it's great. It's like, it's like Fast and the Furious, but with surfboards. And I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> in 1992, Gary Busey would cameo as himself in the Tim Robbins, Robert Altman, Hollywood satire, The Player. But I mean, who wasn't in that movie? He would then play a soldier investigating the murder of his brother in a movie, a TV movie, not that there's anything wrong with that, called Chrome Soldiers. And in another ode to brotherly love, Busey would play a man trying to save his brother's life by agreeing to an art heist in a movie called Canvas. But none of those 1992 movies would compare to this 1992 movie, Under Siege. Busey's turn as the good guy gone bad in this Steven Seagal classic, that's right, I said Steven Seagal classic, was truly amazing. And I know that pretty much everyone on the planet thought that it was impossible to steal scenes from Steven Seagal, but Gary Busey did just that becoming Gary Busey's second-highest-grossing film of his career. Second only to his next film, The Firm. Fucking striking an officer! Come on, that's not striking an officer! That's striking an officer! The Firm received mostly positive reviews, except for a couple nerds that said the book was better. But of course, the book is always better. Like, why, why would you even say that? And not only is this the highest grossing Gary Busey film ever, it's also the highest grossing John Grisham adaptation ever also, making 270 million buckaroos. 
Once again, another scene-stealing performance, adding to the string of perfect supporting character actor roles that Gary Busey delivered in the 90s. And he thrived at it. And I personally would like to declare that late 80s, early 90s Gary Busey could possibly be the most reliable supporting character actor ever. And I mean that. His name was Julio Iglesias. Then came Rookie of the Year! Perhaps wanting to lighten things up a bit, Gary Busey would take a supporting role in this family-friendly baseball movie. Busey would play an aging pitcher who doesn't like that this child is coming in taking his gig, but eventually he warms up to him, becoming a mentor and a potential stepfather. Aww, you guys. The Gary Busey road trip continues along with some forgettable films, like South Beach and Breaking Point, not to be confused with Point Break. Then there was a modern twist on the most dangerous game, but with iced tea, called Surviving the Game, and a movie called Chasers, which I had no idea that Dennis Hopper directed, and something called Warriors. And if any of you have seen any of these movies, feel free to comment your comment in the comments. Our next stop on this Gary Busey journey is the 1994 Wesley Snipes classic, Drop Zone. The film did okay business with 28 million and was a down-the-middle affair with critics, most appreciating the stunts, but uh, they all said the plot was unrealistic. Like many Hollywood party people, Gary Busey became addicted to drugs. He really liked putting that stuff up his nose, and soon his life was out of control. Even snorting coke off of his dog after his pet rolled around in the substance. I wonder what the pet judge would think of that. Gary Busey even claims that the devil himself came to his door, dressed as a rodeo clown, and offered him a small box of cocaine with his initials on it. And because it's Gary Busey, I 100% believe that story. Gary Busey was arrested with a felony after overdosing and cheating death once again in 1995. Nothing can kill this man, and ever since then he has been clean. Way to go Gary, keep it up! Congratulations on not putting cocaine up your nose anymore. You go snort the dog. <laughs> and that's what I did! And now, on our journey, we have reached the point in Gary Busey's career where it becomes more about quantity than quality. Since 1995, Gary Busey has appeared in over 80 movies, with only a handful of those being theatrically released. Those movies are A Man With A Gun, Livers Ain't Cheap, Carried Away, The Chain, Sticks and Stones, Lethal Tender, Plato's Run, Steel Sharks, The Rage, Suspicious Minds, Diary of a Serial Killer, Detour, Universal Soldier 2, Brothers in Arms, The Girl Next Door, Two Shades of Blue, Jacob Tutu Meets the Hooded Fang, No Tomorrow, Tribulation, Hot Boys, with a Z. Best Actress, Down and Dirty, G-Men from Hell, Crack on the Floor, Slapshot 2, Breaking the Ice, Sam and Janet, Hooded Angels, On the Edge, Welcome to Ibsia, Frost, Portrait of a Vampire, Ghost Rock, Scorched, The Shadowlands, The Prize Fighter, Motocross Kids, 
fallacy. If love hadn't left me lonely! Aside for sore eyes. Latin dragon! Er padrino! Border blues! Shade of pale! Buckaroo! Chasing ghosts! The ginger dead man! No rules! Cloud nine! Decansos? Valley of the Wolves, Iraq. Dr. Doolittle 3! Shut up and shoot. The hard easy. Succubus, Hellbent, Maneater, Lady Samurai, National Lampoon, Stoned Age, aka Homo Erectus? Blitzini Boy? Beyond the Ring, Hallettsville, Guido, Piranha 3, Double D, Lizzie, Max Chance, Bounty Killer, Confessions of a Womanizer, Behaving Badly, Mansion of Blood, Bikini Motel Academy, Candyland, with an eye. Mama Boy, Camp Mana, Butcher's Bake Off, Hale's Kitchen, and Quigley. A Christian film where Gary turns into a Pomeranian. Yes, it's a real movie. They won't let me in heaven. It's too late. It's never too late to change, Archie. They want you to go back as a dog. But of course they weren't all that bad. Gary Busey would pop up in the 1996 Chris Farley comedy classic, Black Sheep, or, or was Tommy Boy the classic? Gary Busey played an off-the-radar nut who scares the pee out of David Spade. Hashtag hilarious. Wait, they didn't have hashtags in 1996, so I guess it was just hilarious. And in 1998, Gary Busey would appear in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, giving what I consider to be one of his finest performances. And just a little goes a long way, that's how good this performance is, as a California highway officer who gets a little lonely. Also, in the year 1998, Anno Domini, Busey would appear alongside Kurt Russell in Paul Thomas Anderson's Soldier, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson's Soldier. Both films failed to light up the box office, earning less than $15 million each, whereas Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas has actually gone down to become a major cult classic. Soldier has become mostly forgotten, because I forgot about it, and I, I, I know I watched it. Just didn't stick in the old noggin. And around this time, Gary Busey was going through more personal troubles. He had a plum-sized brain tumor removed through his nose, cheating death once again. Nothing can kill Gary Busey, oh my god. And I thank God again for allowing Gary Busey to cheat death once again because Gary Busey got to be in two Sharknado movies. Open the door. No! I'm not gonna open the door for you. You stay in here. Pay attention to your dad, come on! That's right, Busey would turn up in not one but two Sharknado films, playing Tara Reid's father, because of course Gary Busey would play Tara Reid's father, it's perfect. He was in the fourth and the sixth films in the beloved popular franchise that changed cinema forever. Actually, in all seriousness, I'm a pretty big Sharknado fan. I'm one of those people that gets it. You see, it's a tornado and it's full of sharks. It's an allegory for the human condition and how life is like a tornado full of sharks. You never know what you're gonna get. Actually, you do know what you're gonna get. It's a tornado full of sharks. But yes, that Sharknado cinematic universe is a perfect place for good old Gary. Oh, get him. Yeah. But good old Gary is not just a master of sports, music, and movies. No, 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 Gary has also conquered the world of the video game. Gary Busey has lent his iconic growl to the video game world as weapons expert Phil Cassidy in Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, and Vice City Stories. 
Bang! <coughs> Go to hell. And yes, you can argue that Gary Busey's best performance was in the Buddy Holly story. And yes, that is pretty much true. But I would argue that Gary Busey's best performance is in the Gary Busey story. As Gary Busey. Yes, Gary Busey is great at playing Gary Busey. His meta cameos are a f***ing work of art. Beyond art. Whatever is more artistic than art, that is what Gary Busey is doing. Because Busey has become more famous for who he is off-screen than who he plays on it, many shows have cast Busey simply to be Busey. They want him to go Lucy Busey. And it seems like he has a great sense of humor about his public image, and I, I, I love it. That's, that's f***ing wonderful. Laughter's the best medicine. <laughs> But yes, Gary Busey has voiced himself on The Simpsons, American Dad, and Family Guy. How am I doing today, Gary Busey? You're doing great! Good! Then I'll keep it up! He also showed up on Entourage, and in 2006 he popped up in an episode of Scrubs. Even the video game Hitman would cast Gary Busey as himself. Oh, and we can't forget that he appeared on several episodes of Impractical Jokers, where his lovable insanity was on full display. This right here is why God created Gary Busey and allowed him to stay alive for so long. Uh, this, you know. Is that Gary Busey? <laughs> oh. oh my god! Oh my god. Gary is a man who seems to defy reality and television which is why he is perfect for the world of reality television. Busey even had his own reality show in the summer of 2003 called I'm With Busey. That only aired for 13 episodes on Comedy Central. It followed around the world's biggest Busey fan as he followed around Gary. But perhaps Busey's biggest exposure to mainstream audiences came in 2011, when he was a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice, where he let his freak flag fly as professionally as possible. I can see fart gas. A lot of people can't, but I can. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there went another one. <laughs> Yay! Hot job. The final form. Art is on the third day. Yay! 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 In 2014, Busey won, that's right, he was the champion of the UK's Celebrity Big Brother. Congrats, Gary! Please welcome your winner, Gary! And he participated on Dancing with the Stars in 2015, and he did not win. I'm so sorry for your loss, Gary. In 2017, he co-hosted American MC, Motorcycle Club, where he was arrested on camera. And just last year, in the year 2020, Gary Busey starred in his own courtroom show where he presided over pet-related disputes in Gary Busey, Pet Judge. Pet Justice! Yes. Gary Busey, Pet Judge.
It is these appearances where Gary Busey is simply being Gary Busey that truly sums up why, after all these years, we still love Mr. Busey. The man can take a verbal assault from Meatloaf and keep his cool, and then five minutes later say the craziest, most outlandish thing, and you can only just sit back and watch and smile and say, ha, yep, that's Gary. There is no doubt that his motorcycle accident had a profound traumatic effect on his life. His brain literally had to be rewired. Busey has faced his fair share of hurdles, from the motorcycle accident to his cocaine addiction to battling cancer, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that we don't even know about. But through it all, he never lost the joy in his life, something that he directly attributes to his Christian faith. That's the one with Jesus. Sadly, Gary Busey never reached the same professional heights as his early Oscar-nominated success. But he was able to pivot from being a lovable leading man in the Buddy Holly story, to a psychotic character actor in Lethal Weapon, and then finally into the role that has played to great success. Gary Busey himself, playing himself. His acting made him famous, but simply being Gary Busey made him a star. And he seems to be enjoying every second of it. Art is just the free-flowing nature of how you feel when you're creating the art. Life is art. Art is life. And I think that every single one of us can benefit from every now and then letting out our inner Busey. Do it with me. There. See? I feel much better. Thank you, Gary Busey. And now I will leave you with some classic Buseyisms. And these things will seriously change your life. There's nothing wrong with me because the word wrong, W-R-O-N-G, stands for working righteously on nothing good. Relying on magnificent and necessary compatible energy spells romance. F-A-R-T stands for feeling erectile transmission. Like Clown, that came to me the other day. C-L-O-W-N stands for Creating Laughter on Wednesday Night. <laughs> Gary Busey even makes acronyms fun, which makes this show itself a Buseyism. WTF. What the f***? Thanks, Gary. We love ya! Thank you for watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Videos channel. Tell your friends who like this sort of content and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all our latest videos. We're an independent company and we appreciate all your support.